Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we have heard from your word the trials and travails of Jesus. We have heard of his crucifixion. We have heard of the prophecies that foretold it. We have heard of the explanation of it. And we pray, Father, that you would take your word and drive it into us. That you would open our eyes to our sin that has been dealt with. And that we would be ever more receptive of your grace and of your forgiveness. And be renewed after the image of our Lord Jesus Christ in whom we pray. Amen. Amen. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That sums up everything, doesn't it? That sums up everything about the gospel that we have heard this night. That sums up everything that we have heard for these many weeks through Lent. For some of us, for the many years that we have known Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It makes me think of over in Judges where it keeps repeating that every man did what was right in his own eyes. Because there was no king. Likewise, we do that which is right in our own eyes. We go our own way. We're like sheep without a shepherd who just stray and wander into whatever we come across. But yet, in that wandering, in that waywardness, Jesus takes upon Himself our sin. God lays upon Him all of our sins, all of our waywardness. And He receives it on our behalf. He is afflicted and He is oppressed on account of that. This is what the Lord does for us. Throughout this chapter 53 of Isaiah, the idea of sin or iniquity or transgressions being laid upon this servant, being borne by this servant, occurs no less than six times, depending on how you want to count them. It's at least six times, if not more, depending on how you want to count them. Do you count bear their iniquities as one of those where it says that it is laid on him the iniquity of us all? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Statements like that should draw from us joy. Even on this Good Friday, as we think about the crushing death that Jesus experienced upon the cross, we are confronted with the reality of why He did it. He didn't do it to shame us. He didn't do it to cause us to feel guilty. He did it because we are already guilty. He did it to free us from that very guilt. He did it to restore us to Himself, to take us away from the sin that we desire and to give us something that we never knew we desired, life and salvation and forgiveness in Himself. 
That is what Good Friday is about, a day set aside for us to remember and to recall that historical moment where Jesus is carried, where he walks to the cross and he is placed upon it and he carries our sins upon himself. He bears our chastisement. He bears our transgressions. He bears our iniquities. He bears the sin of us all. That is what Jesus went to the cross to do. Yes, his salvation extends to the whole of creation to redeem it and to restore it. But as creation in the beginning, before the fall, was in some sense ruled over by Adam, and because of Adam, all of creation fell into sin. When Adam ate of the fruit after his wife Eve, all of creation became cursed. All of creation became under the burden of sin because of Adam. Adam brought sin upon creation itself and brought the shame that creation bears. It brought the thorns and the thistles. It brought the struggles, the diseases, all things that are wrong in this world are on account of Adam's sin. And thus, Christ has to die for the sins of individuals, for the sins of the people, in order to restore creation. And so our salvation is an individual salvation that comes upon us, that comes to us through Jesus He is the one who bore our sorrows. He became acquainted with grief on our behalf. The people of his day did not esteem him, for they saw him as nothing more than a sorrowful man. He wasn't fancy, but yet he was the son of God, the true servant of God, the true Israel, the suffering servant, bearing the struggles and the pains of our sin, culminating upon that cross for us culminating upon that cross to receive the judgment that is rightly ours. There he bore our sins in order that we would be restored. Isaiah 53 is a beautiful recounting of that reality, of how he took that all upon himself, that he was cut off, that he was stricken for the transgression of the people. To such a point that he truly died. He was put in a grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. In all ways Jesus was perfect. He was the perfect servant. The perfect Israel before the Father. He did all things right. He even resisted Satan in his temptations in the wilderness. He said no to Satan on our behalf. That we might be restored and throughout his days he bore our griefs. We looked upon him in that strickenness and assumed that he was smitten by God. That he was afflicted by God. But it was out of his great love, out of his zeal to bear our sins that he was sorrowful. It was out of his zeal that he bore our griefs throughout his days. And we misunderstood. The people all misunderstood what Jesus was about. They could not grasp the reality of what he was doing. And why would he do that? Why would he receive upon himself our iniquities? The Lord laid it upon him. The Lord placed our iniquities upon him. And yet Jesus was oppressed and afflicted through the hands of men. The Romans and the Jews turned against him, as we heard in the Gospel of St. John. We hear of them coming against him. 
And the high priest leading the people to cry out, crucify him, crucify him. Take him away from us. There is no king but Caesar over us. They rejected the suffering servant for he had to suffer. It was meant for them to reject him, that he would endure their iniquity, that he would bear their iniquities to the cross, that he would die upon that cross in our place, that he would take away the sins of the world. For that is what John the Baptist said that he was, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was the true Lamb, the true sacrifice, the true one to receive the punishment, to stand in our place, to be our representative and our substitute in judgment. For judgment was to come against us because we are of Adam. And in Adam, we are sinners. In Adam, we are estranged from God. In Adam, we are the enemies and the rebels who fight against God, who go our own ways, who are sheep that have gone astray. But instead of vanquishing and conquering and destroying these sheep, the Lord takes the shepherd and lays the iniquities upon him. The wrongdoings of the sheep are placed upon the shepherd, who is the suffering servant. But Isaiah tells us in verse 10 something glorious and beautiful. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. The will of Yahweh himself to crush the suffering servant. It was the will of Yahweh to place our iniquities upon this suffering servant, upon Jesus which if it is the will of Yahweh and Jesus is truly God, that means it was the will of Jesus to receive our punishment. It was the will of Jesus himself to be crushed, that he went to the cross willingly, knowing full well what was going to happen, what would be done to him as he walked all of his days on this earth, knowing that he was ever traveling toward that because it was the will of Yahweh himself. And Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. True God from true God. And therefore it is His very will too to move toward that place of being crushed. To move toward that place of bearing our grief. To let His soul be an offering for guilt, an offering for sin, an offering for all of our trespasses before God, before Yahweh, before the Father. He makes His soul to be an offering. And so therefore who is the one who makes the offering but the priest in Judaism. It is the priest who makes an offering before Yahweh, before God. And so Jesus is both the sacrifice and the priest who offers, who makes sacrifice. He is both at the same time offering up his own soul for our guilt, his own soul for our trespasses, his own soul as the sacrifice to take away our sins. And Isaiah tells us that he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And letting his soul and making his soul to be an offering for guilt, Jesus, mysteriously as we come near to him and draw near to him, we in a mysterious way in our union become like children to him. We become ones who spring forth out of him. For his sacrifice creates the church. His sacrifice creates a new people, a new bride. That as Eve was taken from the side of Adam, in a mysterious way, the church is taken out of the side of Jesus when it is pierced, and water and blood come pouring out. We come forth, mysteriously on one hand from one perspective, as a bride, and yet on another perspective, as offspring, for we are children of our mother, the church. The church is greater than the sum of each of us. 
And so Jesus creates the church that the church might carry us to him. He creates the church in his sacrifice in order that we would be shielded and come under this glorious establishment that he has made through his death. We are all made part of the church that we might mysteriously become offspring of the work of Jesus and that he would look down and be pleased and see his days prolonged through us. And all of this brings him satisfaction. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. I can't help but hear those beautiful words later from the epistle to the Hebrews where it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. The shame, the anguish that was placed upon him by bearing our sins. He pushes through it because of the joy, the satisfaction that he sees and will receive on account of what his work will accomplish. His work will bring about the church. His work will bring about a new people of God. People who are fully cleansed and forgiven. People who no longer have to make sacrifices of animals in order to shield themselves from the judgment of God. But with his one sacrifice, all sin is dealt with, something that bulls and goats could never do. For if they could, there would have ceased to be sacrifices in the Old Testament. But the sacrifices continued on and on and on until Jesus came and became the one true sacrifice, simultaneously becoming the one true high priest for us, offering himself on the altar of the cross. And by offering himself on the altar of that cross, he becomes the king of all. He becomes the king who calls us to himself by forgiveness. He calls us to himself and changes us and renews us because he has taken our sins away, because he has borne them all the way into death itself. It's not just that he bears them upon the cross, but he bears them all the way to death. He carries them with him and dies on our behalf. To take away our sins. Over and over Isaiah comes back to that saying. That he has taken our sins. He shall bear their iniquities this suffering servant. He pours out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgression. With the transgressors yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Over and over. It is about the people's iniquities. The people's sins. The people's waywardnesses. Our lawlessness, our breaking of the commandments of God is placed upon him, is carried by him upon that cross where he is offered, where he offers himself. He doesn't passively give up, but he willingly and actively offers himself to the Father to bear our sins, to bear our judgment, to bear the death that we deserve, the death that we are moving toward in ourselves because of sin in us. And so this Good Friday, we look to the cross. Yes, we recognize our guilt. We recognize that it is our sin that has placed him there. Each and every one of us have sinned and placed him upon the cross, yes. But it was the will of Yahweh, the will of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to crush Jesus. Jesus willingly endures that on our behalf. To take our sin away in order that we could stand before the Father joyfully in Jesus. He bears our sin in order to bring us joy. He bears our sin and our shame because he knows the joy that will come as the church is established 
through his death, as a church is established and draws us into itself, into herself, to make us one with Jesus. And so, yes, know that your shame has been taken away. The shame that you continually feel, confess it to the Lord. Confess your guilt before the Father, knowing that Jesus has taken that to himself, that it has been dealt with, and that forgiveness is being poured out upon all of us as we come to Jesus. So let us go to Jesus. Let us come before him and stand before the cross and see how he has taken our sins upon himself and borne our griefs, that we would be redeemed, that we would be saved. Let us dwell on that and receive the reality that he has done it. It is finished by his own words, by his own death. He has put an end to sin and brought forgiveness to us that no matter what sins we commit after we believe, they are dealt with by Jesus already. And so though... It is sad to see the Son of God die upon the cross. He does it joyfully and willingly for us to redeem us and to bring us to Himself. And so, turn to Him this day and rejoice in the salvation that He has procured through His own death upon the cross for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.